0: Very yes. significant, right? So let's just really quickly look at, uh, read the passages. Brian, can you read Genesis chapter 2? 22, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall, She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right at the beginning of the Bible story, you have a wedding of Adam and Eve. How do we know this is a wedding? Genesis chapter 224, incredibly important verse. This verse is recited over and over again in the New Testament. Every time it's recited, it's talking about marriage. This is a wedding between Adam and Eve. There's a wedding, there's a marriage right at the beginning. And if you go to Revelation 19, which is uh, the very last, very end of the, of, of the Bible, uh, Yvonne, can you read it? Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. I mean, I hope that really uh, uh, is an amazing thing for you guys to consider that at the very beginning there's a wedding, the very end there's a wedding marriage is the story of the bible and if you look at ephesians chapter 5 let me just direct your attention to 5 verse 31 32 there at the top of the second column paul writes quoting 224 genesis therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh right he's citing genesis 2 and then this is what he says this mystery is profound and i am saying that it refers to christ and the church and so what is Paul saying? Paul's a master theologian. He's weaving the whole story of the Bible together. And what he's saying is that when Adam and Eve were married and God ordained it to be so, when he created the institution of marriage, he was always thinking about the final marriage. He was always thinking about Christ and the church. And, and therefore, when we talk about marriage, I really want us to understand the epic scope of marriage. The point that I want to really make here is I don't want to give you marriage tips marriage enrichment advice you know because marriage is not like jogging or or i don't know it's not it's not like uh playing chess there is something super deep and profound and epic going on when you're married when you're experiencing uh marriage and so that's the thesis of the class and so i want to look at uh uh, ephesians 5 again paul says verse 32 this mystery so uh paul says marriage is a mystery right For those of us who are married, you're probably saying yes. Um, But uh, the Greek word there is mysterion, and I want to show you that it's actually a very technical word in the New Testament. It means something that was hidden before but now revealed, and this is just two random verses. Uh, There's actually like a dozen or so uh, uh, evidences. Uh, Just Ephesians, uh, Chris, uh, can you read Ephesians 3 really quickly? Just the first verse. When you read this. Yeah. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. There you go. Stop. So mystery is referring to what? Well, let me let me keep going. Uh, Colossians. Uh, uh, um, Catherine, can you read? To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. So what is mystery? What's the definition of mystery? Or what is mystery a word, I mean, another word for? Anyone? Who who said somebody said it? Who's bold? Gospel? Yes. So mystery is gospel, right? Okay. So marriage is gospel. Okay. You guys understand? And therefore, these two concepts are deeply intertwined. The more deeply you understand the the gospel, the the more deeply you understand marriage. The more deeply you understand marriage, the more deeply you understand gospel. Okay. They're mutually reinforcing, mutually uh, uh, connecting. And I love the way Paul puts it, right? Uh, Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so this is what I want to show you guys, that marriage is gospel reenactment. Marriage is gospel drama. Because you are constantly what? Giving of yourself, serving the other. um, And that's what Christ did for us. And so in marriage... Both the husband and the wife play the part of Christ, showing gospel of forgiveness, gospel, love, gospel, grace. And the other person is playing the part of the church, receiving that grace, receiving that forgiveness and service, and you're just doing it to each other, mutually inter-serving. And I really hope to show you, by the end of, at least today, that that in that sense, the Christian view of marriage is so deeply beautiful and profound, because I think the modern conception of marriage is you get married to really serve your own needs, right? uh, Marriage is to make you happy. The Bible doesn't say marriage doesn't make you happy, but marriage is, happiness isn't the goal. Happiness is a byproduct. The goal is gospel reenactment. Does that make sense? And, and and therefore I think the modern conception of marriage is really quite selfish. And I think the fact that we have the divorce rate, I think, is forty-five percent right now. The fact that there is a forty-five percent divorce rate is really systematic of this uh, modern perspective of marriage, which is it's really for self-fulfillment, self-realization, rather than self-giving, which is the which is the Christian view. Okay? Um, and so my grand thesis is that marriage is the gospel And what, therefore, is the gospel, what, therefore, is marriage, is transforming love. It's not just love, but it's love that transforms the beloved. That's the brilliant insight of the gospel, that when God loves us, he changes us. Right? And that's what happens in marriage. When you love your spouse, you change your spouse. It's just something beautiful. And you're mutually loving, mutually transforming each other. It looks like arguments. <laughs> and fighting. <laughs> but you're mutually loving, and mutually transforming each other. Okay, so that's a quick primer to uh, the whole paradigm. Any quick questions or any comments or any... Alright. Let us press forward. So let's go to the fun stuff, the next page. So here, it's a little bit random because there's so much that I could talk about. Um, and uh, I I have been slowly accumulating stories about marriage. And so I'm going to do a story dump today. Um, so fun, for me at least. Um, the first thing, uh, again, I'm orienting this towards uh, you singles. You singles who uh, really grew up in our culture. And I think our culture does an enormous disservice in trying to understand uh, uh, marriage. And the first point I want to make is that a lot of times people approach marriage uh, as this false search for certitude. Whereas the Christian view is marriage is a promise. And what do I mean by the false search of certitude? Uh, a lot of times people... I mean, I mean—I we've already observed this, right? It used to be the case that people got married really early. Um, partly, not partly, principally because they were arranged. Right? Marriage is arranged. Your parents said you're marrying her. Okay, Father. Um, now we choose our own mate. And it used to be the case that still people got relatively married early. Uh, uh, now people get married. The average age uh, uh, for the guy is over 30. The average age for the girl is approaching late 20s. Now, the Bible has nothing to say about age. Okay, So there's nothing simple or wrong about getting married late. I'm just saying that I think one of the reasons why people delay marriage so long is because they're looking for certitude. Right, That people are saying, how do I know this person is the one for me? How do I know I'm supposed to be destined to marry this person? And so because people are waiting for certainty, they're waiting to know for sure, for sure, for sure, they hold off on getting married. And so I have two fun stories from This American Life Um, (laughs) And I will share them with you. The first story I call the Rumsfeld couple. And so uh, it's a really interesting story. There was this couple that started dating uh, freshman year of college. And they dated for a long time, 13 years. And finally, the guy said to his girlfriend, you know, they're living together. You know, they practically acted like a married couple, right? And the guy says, you know, how come we don't get married? How come we don't even talk about it? And the girl said, uh, let me read it, because it's kind of funny. She says, okay... But before we do, I want to make sure uh that we should marry because uh, I want to make sure because um, I've never dated anybody else. He was her first real serious boyfriend right from freshman year college. She says, "How do I know that 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 you're really the one for me?" I guess her mentality was, it could be so much better possibly, <laughs> right? I'm just maybe too lazy to to go out there and explore. And 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 maybe I'm just a really likable, easy to go Get along, person, but, and that's why we're together. So she proposed, and he agreed that they take a one month break, and during that one month they have sex with a whole bunch of other people. And after that month, after they sort of experience other people, then they can get back together, compare notes, and say, they realize, no, you are indeed the best. You are, you know, the one for me. Uh, and they took from uh, this Amish practice of Rumsfelda. Have you guys ever heard of Rumsfelda? Rumsfelda is this, uh, weird, quirky thing that Amish do. Uh, when you're 16 years old, the, the Amish say, hey, we don't want you to feel like you were forced into this life. And so you get to go out there into the world for two years, you know, work, uh, 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 uh not in the Amish community, but go out there, you know, work a real job and, and just experience sort of the larger secular world. And after two years, you can decide do you want to come back into the um, and be Amish. And then once you're, you come back, you're Amish for life. So that's this idea of Rumsfelda. So they said, let's have a marriage run, spelled out or a relationship (laughs) run, spelled out. And so for the one month they went out and he said it was like a race to have as much sex as possible, right? And so he was just going out there and he was just sleeping with all these people. He said it was just the most thrilling month of his life. You know, just so, uh, uh, it just turned his head, it was so head spinning. He said after a month, they got back to, first for one month they didn't talk. At the end of the month, they got back together, and, they, and then they both said simultaneously, "One month is not enough. <laughs> we need to keep experience. We need to keep experimenting. Because you know, how many people can you sleep within a month? So, so they went back out there. Second month, and the one rule they made was, no, no love, just sex. Um, but he broke the rule because he says he couldn't help himself. He ended up falling for this other girl, and then at the end of two months." They got back together, and then they both agreed, let's break up, right? So it's tragic, and actually, he broke up with that other girlfriend later on, too, and so he looks back at that story, and he feels kind of sad, you know, like, what happened? And I think there was the kind of naivete that somehow their love was strong enough (laughs) to survive, um, mutually agreed upon, I don't know, cheating, I guess, um, I want to say something about that, but let me tell you the second story. The second story is, I call the Cosmic Dollar Couple. Very funny story. This one's a much happier story. Um, <laughs> so what happened was, there was this couple, this guy dating, and after a month, he decided, hey, to ask his girlfriend to date steadily, or exclusively, right? Um, they had been sort of seeing each other, people too. And so he says, you know, I really have a good feeling about you, I want to date you exclusively. And so he went to, uh, he was going to, asked her that very night. He went to the deli, and a really quirky thing happened. He got a dollar change, and on the dollar in black pen was written the name Esther. And it was the name of his girlfriend. He's like, whoa, this is so, like, what a weird coincidence. What a weird uh, event. And so he kind of got tripped out by it. So he went to the frame store, which was next door, bought a frame, framed the dollar with the name Esther on it. And he, that, that night, he says, hey, Esther, you know, let's go steady. And guess what? I found this dollar, you know? what? Like, how amazing is that? When he gave her the dollar, she got very quiet all of a sudden. And he said, what's wrong? She says, um, ask me about it later. I have to tell you something, but I don't want to tell you now. He said, okay, fine. So anyways, a couple years down the line, uh, they decide to move in together. And uh, as they were moving in and unpacking, he found the picture frame with the dollar. Esther, she asked her, so what's the story about? she says, okay, I'll tell you the story. Uh, about a month before we started dating, I broke up. I had a pretty serious breakup. I felt very discouraged. So I asked God, God, can you, uh, who am I supposed to marry? Who is the one that I'm supposed to be with? And so she says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write my name on a dollar bill. I'm going to put it in the cash register. And the guy who gives me back this dollar, I'll know, is the one you chose for me. And she said, I didn't want to tell you the story when you gave me the dollar because I didn't want to freak you out and make you think like I'm sort of a weirdo, <laughs> right? So I just kept it. And she says, the really funny thing is this. She says, every time that they would have a fight, you know, every time, you know, things seemed to be going bad and sour, she would always go back home and look at the dollar. And she would always say, how can I break up with this guy? He's the one who gave me the dollar, right? And so looking at the dollar just gave her this sense of deep assurance and affirmation. And so she would go back and try to work it out. And and every time, you know, they had difficulties, the dollar kept them together because she would look at the dollar. And now they're married, you know? I think in both of these stories, they're looking, each couple is looking for the exact same thing. They're looking. For assurance, they're looking for certitude. They want to know how do I know the one I'm so uh, how do I know the one I'm supposed to be with is the one? The Rumsfelder did it. The Rumsfelder couple did it by trying out all the options. The, the Cosmic Dollar couple did it by looking for this cosmic sign. But I want to propose that they're actually both really mistaken from a biblical perspective. Okay, and for two reasons. Number one, um, there is no such thing as from a biblical perspective there's no such thing as the one right because they're both looking for the one and I really want to tell you guys you know those of you who are single here in this room um, the one you marry I mean you're afraid of making a mistake and I want to guarantee you that the person you marry will be a mistake (laughs) in the sense (laughs) in the sense that um, you're both sinners right Uh, I was reading an account of somebody getting divorced and and and, and this woman said, I can't remember where I read this randomly, but she says, I'm getting divorced because love shouldn't be this hard. I think that's incredibly naive. Marriage love is incredibly hard. It's almost impossibly hard. You know why? Because there's two nasty, selfish sinners living together. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to butt heads. You're going to sin against each other. And so... uh, 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 there is no such thing as the one. And I think when people are looking for that, they're really looking for somebody else, right? And I think this is where the Bible story really helps to un- help us helps us to understand that all our human earthly marriages is really an echo or a type of the ultimate true marriage. Christ is the one we're really looking for. But there's another observation, which is that uh, from the Christian perspective, certitude doesn't come from uh uh finding a cosmic dollar or trying out all the options, where does our certitude come from? I want to throw it out there. How do we know that we're supposed to be married to this person from a Christian perspective? I heard psst. who's psst. oh no no Go on this huh? yes. I vaguely heard about. It. I'm going to assume it's a promise. <laughs> How do you know that your spouse is the one God intended you to be with? You know <laughs> on your wedding day when you promised, right? What is the promise? Join us. Um, the pro- I think there's space over there. The promise is I will be with you no matter what. No matter how uh, disfigured and and unshapely you become, no matter how poor and hobbled you look, (laughs) I will be with you. Um, You know how that cosmic dollar couple found, that woman found deep, deep assurance every time she would look at the dollar? And now they frame the dollar in their house. And every time they have a fight, they look at the dollar. And they say, oh, I'm supposed to be with you. I have to make this work. The dollar tells me. You don't need a dollar. You have something better than a dollar, which is a promise, <laughs> right? A lot of times, people say, um, "People say, how do I know she's the one I'm supposed to marry? And I always say, I'll tie you after your wedding. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you don't know. Uh, in one way, there is no one. In another way, it is impossible to know. But in another way, you'll know when you say, I promise to be married to you. Does that make sense? And so, I would really impress upon this to you as Christians, or if you're you're attracted to the Christian vision of marriage. The Christian vision of marriage is that um, you have this deep assurance that that she or he is the one for you on your wedding day when you make an unbreakable pledge. The unbreakable pledge is, I will be with you, no matter how hard it is, I will hold on to you. So... uh, any any questions, or actually before I go to the questions, let me read to you the one passage that I have there, Ephesians 5 therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife and two shall become one flesh what I have underlined there, hold fast to his wife, it's a really uh, interesting image, right, hold fast right, and uh, uh, we might think, oh, so you know, the husband sort of gripping onto his wife, but the, the, the word hold fast there is actually um, uh, specific, almost technical language, which means to make a covenant. And so the husband is pledging himself; it's an unbreakable promise, unbreakable, uh, a covenant to to hold fast to his wife. And if you think about marriage, is the gospel? Gospel is the marriage. What does that tell us? Does Christ look at you and say, "Oh, I didn't know"? <coughs> <laughs> before I gave myself, I did not know you were going to be that <laughs> sinful and selfish. No, right? Again, what is marriage? Marriage is transforming love. Right? The love transforms the person. It's committing love. And so the gospel is Christ never lets us go. Right? Jesus says, uh, I will lose no one the Father has gave me. So Christ will not break his pledge. We ought not also, when we do gospel reenactment, we, we, we ought not to break that pledge. A lot of times people say, well, what happens if you fall out of love? Well, <laughs> the Bible says, uh, marriage is not love feelings, marriage is love action, right? And so, uh, 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 there, there's a word, um, there, there are a lot of different words for love in the Bible. Uh, you've probably heard of the word agape, right? Agape is the love that you have for your enemies, right? Um, um, you know, when Jesus says love your enemies, he says agape your enemies, which means don't have lovey-dovey, heart butterfly feelings for your enemies, right? Someone who wants to kill you, someone who wants to do you in, what does that mean? It means love, act lovingly. Put their interests and interests above your own. When Paul says love your, husbands love your wives, you know what word he uses? He uses agape. Agape your wife. He doesn't say eros, you know, which is like romantic, like, you know passionate love he says "Agape your wife, which means it's an action, it's a commitment it's an intention. Um, any comments or questions before we go to the second my second random principle Any thoughts all right, so i hope I hope that um, I hope that not that you don't not delay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with delaying, but that the reason why you're delaying is not because you're looking for certitude. Okay. Actually, I have a question. Yes. So this is more like a historical <laughs> question, but then do you know, like, um, from centuries past, was this sort of the assumed understanding of, of no. marriage? No. You know, a lot of times people associate, you know, right now we're having a huge debate on marriage. What is marriage, right? And a lot of people <laughs> associate the biblical or Christian vision of marriage with the traditional view. This is completely false. Uh, uh, I really protest, because uh, Christianity has always stood against uh, counter to the prevailing cultural winds. The traditional view of marriage is that marriage is for socioeconomic advancement, right? Uh, You marry to climb the socioeconomic ladder. You have to strategically position yourself. And so... uh, 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 in the, uh, what is it, uh, the traditional view actually allows for divorce. Because sometimes your wife doesn't produce children. Kick her to the curb, right? Um, sometimes, you know, uh, or, you know, your wife produces children, and your wife is, you know, like a noble woman's wife, so it's good for you. But, you know, you want to have sex with a lot of other women. So you do it, right? That's the traditional view. This is not, the traditional view and the biblical view of marriage completely opposite the biblical view will always be against the world view of marriage because the world will look at marriage in terms of a selfish prism in terms of self-fulfillment the biblical view of marriage is always self-giving so i don't know if that answers so this was this is just as jarring to our modern understanding as it was a thousand years ago two thousand years ago yes (coughs) all right so second principle what are you waiting for? <laughs> Marriage is a journey. Another random story that I heard. I've just been collecting these stories, like bouncing around. What did what do I do with these fun stories? <laughs> I got to dump them all on you today. Uh, has anyone seen the movie Sleepwalk With Me? Come on, don't tell me I'm the weirdo who watches independent films. <laughs> no one's seen it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a, it's, it's a movie, it's a really fun movie. Um, by this comedian named Mike Birbiglia. Um And uh, it's, it's his romantic comedy story. And he has insomnia. So that's kind of like where he gets sleepwalk with me. Anyways, the story is basically, um, he's been dating his girlfriend for about eight years. And then he goes to his sister's wedding. <laughs> uh, his sister had been dating for two years to get married. And so everyone's like kind of putting pressure on him. Like, why aren't you getting married? Oh, you should be next, Right. And then that night, you know, as they're getting ready for bed, his girlfriend gets really mad at him. She's like, why won't you marry me? Is there something wrong with me? Why won't you even consider it? And the guy's coming up with these, like, you know, you know, lame-o ex- uh, excuses. And then uh, uh, the very next day, he's driving, you know, and so it's a movie, right? So he, like, turns to the camera and he's talking. And he's explaining why he doesn't want to marry his girlfriend. And he says the reason why is because... He's a struggling comedian, and and, uh, it's actually a really fun, interesting story of how he became a big-time comedian, but he starts out, you know, going to like retirement centers, and like, he gets paid nothing, he gets paid like $50 for a gig, and so his life is really uncertain, and his life is financially just uh, uh, bleak, and so he says to himself, "Um, I don't want to get married until my life is much more certain, until I get my life in order. Right? And I think this is really, um, a really hallmark of our culture is that people think of marriage as sort of like this, um, destination. Right? This is marriage. And you must first, before you get married, you have to reach these certain milestones. Job. Right? Maybe house. Or maybe in between, it's a stable job. Um, and we see marriage as sort of a capstone or sort of a destination or a goal to, to, to get to once the rest of your life is in order right? and I really want to appeal to you and really make the argument to you that this sort of cultural understanding of marriage uh, is not the biblical view the biblical view is that marriage is a journey and so let me propose to you this this vision of, of marriage. This is marriage. And marriage is a journey. And you find your spouse. You link arms with your spouse. And you go down that journey together. And you don't know where that journey is going to go. Is it going to go into unemployment and poverty? Perhaps. <laughs> is it going to go into financial... Of blooming and, and career success, perhaps. But you don't know. You don't say to your spouse, I want to make sure the journey is good. No. You just say, I don't know what the journey is like, but I want to walk it with you. And what then is the destination? The destination, our culture's destination, is maybe marriage. That's the capstone of life. You know? Once you have kids, you you know you have this sort of settled life, ah, oh, you're a success. I would not want to even say American culture. I feel like it's Asian American culture. But the biblical vi- vision is that the goal is what? Let me, let me see. Let me throw it out again. What then is the goal? Not Neiman. So who who, who? who can tell me? What is the goal of marriage? What's the point? The promise is that I will hold your hand through the journey. What is the goal? What are you journeying towards? Every journey <clears throat> has a destination. <laughs> what is the destination? What is the destination? Huh? Gospel enactment Gospel reenactment is, yeah, <laughs> is what you're doing, but what is the goal? What is the Just d-
1: say it. Death.
0: Death? No. <laughs> Death. <laughs> <laughs> the grave. <laughs> <laughs> can you what is the goal? Let me let me read you guys a verse, okay, and then you guys can tell me what the goal is. Uh, Ephesians five twenty five. Can uh uh can I have a uh, uh Roxanne read it reader for me? Husbands love your wives as Christ of the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. What is the goal of marriage? You can cite the passage if you want. What's the goal? Let me pick on Priscilla. i say babies, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> babies are not the goal because not all couples have babies. I know, I'm just talking about Harry. <laughs> <laughs> huh? love. Is that what it says? The goal is love. Goaliness. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, I prefer to use another word that Paul uses: okay. splendor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is splendor? Can anyone give me like a, you know, layman's definition of splendor? Glory. Glory. Right. So what what are we talking about here? We're talking about the new heavens and the new creation. Paul uh, uh, Paul tells us that one day we'll see Jesus and we'll be like him. Perfect, unblemished, clean. And it's a wonderful, beautiful picture of what we will all become. And Paul tells us that actually marriage is a vehicle that takes us to this glory, to splendor. right? And how do we do it? We do it, Paul says, by washing each other with the word what is the Word? The Word is not not just the Bible, but the Word is the Gospel. And I can't tell you how many times um, I've talked to Christina. And I say to Christina, I feel so uh, defeated and discouraged. I feel so empty, <laughs> you know, and down. And Christina will say these amazing words of encouragement to me. She'll say, your identity is in Christ. Your security is Jesus dying for you. Don't feel discouraged. Don't let the world beat you down. And I actually, I remember so fondly, this happened before we got children, but I remember like Christina at work would just write these emails to me of just like wonderful gospel encouraging words to me. That's what we're supposed to do. And I've kept all those emails me. It's allergies, not. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, 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 the, 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 the goal of marriage is to look at the other person and say Christ loves you, Christ died for you, and you're washing each other, and the thing with washing is this, there's so first of all, who needs a bath? You don't need a bath unless you're dirty so here you have two dirty sinners with all their baggage and junk and selfishness. And you're washing each other. And I don't want you to think of this as a sponge bath with bubbles and music candles. I want you to think of this as like a prison, you know, like bath, right? Where like you, you just got, you got to get the soap, you know, and just got to toxically remove the gunk off each other, right? It's painful. It's difficult but you're going towards glory. I hope that you guys can have that vision. And this is why, this is why you must not marry another Because how can you go on this journey towards glory if your partner doesn't believe in this goal? Right? You're going towards this goal and your partner is saying, what glory, what splendor. <laughs> you must link arms with someone who is headed towards the same destination that you are. Um... So, any comments or questions or? question? Yes. So, I guess I understand like the concept of like you don't need to have like to reach all these milestones before marriage. Yes. Um, but I guess more so, I guess I'm, I'm more so trying to understand like you don't want to like rush into marriage and be like make an immature decisions. Like, oh, like you're Christian, I'm Christian, cool. Like, let's get. Married, right? <laughs> so it's, like, I guess like my, my mindset behind it would like, be more so like like you'll sacrifice now so you have that stability later. I I like, think that's still, like, in line with the Muslim mindset. So how do you know that, like, if you're going to, like, link arms and go on the journey together, like, how do you know when to link arms then? Like, mm. you need some sort of certainty. No, I agree. I, I agree you shouldn't, like, say, you're a Christian girl, I'm a Christian guy, <laughs> <Do you laughs> let's get married, school? right? Yeah. I definitely, I, I almost, I'm <laughs> almost tempted to say, yeah, yeah. Because you know what? When Paul is talking about marriage here, they didn't have a choice. All marriages were arranged marriages, Okay. <laughs> And so I almost want to say any two believers can get married. I feel like that's not too far from the truth. But I do agree that yeah, there is such thing as compatibility. There is such thing as like you know mutual you know uh, compatible experiences and temperaments and everything. But I feel like that period of of thoughtfulness and consideration um, doesn't have to be too long. Because after about a year of dating. <clears throat> you're not going to find out that much more. To be honest with you guys, those of you who are married, this is what you do. When you're dating someone, you are on your best behavior. Now, uh, it's true, occasionally you will let your guard down, right? You will you will let them hear you fart, you know? Or <laughs> <laughs> but to to a real degree, you are still presenting your best face. You know why? Because dating is not secure. Any moment, that person could leave. If the fight becomes too severe, they could leave. Only when you're married and you have the security of the promise do you let yourself go and say, okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, no, no, you, you, the real ugliness of who you are becomes apparent. I'm very serious. You know, a lot of times, Christine and I, my, the <laughs> toughest year of our marriage was year one. Cause I was like, what kind of monster did i marry <laughs> and and that's what marriage is marriage in marriage you discover you know it's like it's like somebody peers into your soul for the first time and sees you for ad- who you are and you know what's the most amazing thing that person says i love you i love you no matter what i love you even though you are ugly inside <laughs> um and so i guess what i would say is you don't need to have all your ducks in a row. You don't need to arrange your life because that's what marriage does for you. Marriage, I think, is a, so much better to find a job to, 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 to do all the other things in life with someone as a partner linking arms together. But of course, you know, there is a process of deliberation. You know what I would say is the best way to deliberate? Ask your Christian community. so just ask your brother and say, what do you think about her? And they're like, oh, no. No, no, no. And then you'll be like, oh, I didn't know. (laughs) But maybe they'll say, oh, she's awesome. She's so godly. She's great. You should marry her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last point. Um, Super fast, super fast, super fast. Um, Marriage is one flesh union. We're actually going to cover this a little bit next week. Um, but let me just cover it very quickly. There, read verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. That is the critical understanding of Christian marriage. What is one flesh talking about? In some sense, or or at least on the preliminary level, this is talking about. What can anyone tell me? What is one flesh talking about? One flesh. <laughs> Valen, you laughed, you must (laughs) laugh. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let us be mature, okay? (laughs) Marriage is when two bodies interlock and you become one flesh, right? But that is only a picture. Only a picture of something much deeper going on, which is one flesh union in all your life, right? Comprehensive union your finances, your, your your emotions, your life goals, you become one together. And this is why, and I want to reinforce again what, I, what Wade said last time too, this is why sex outside of marriage is a deep, deep violation of the very meaning of sex. Because the purpose of sex is to consummate and, and express one flesh, one union life together. And to have sex outside of marriage or to have sex before marriage it's really a cowardly, selfish act, because what you 're saying to the person is hey let's get naked together let 's be intimate together physically, but i don 't want to be naked with you i don't want to be intimate with you emotionally, financially, uh, in all other aspects just 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 the body, but not my heart, not my emotions, not my money, just the body that is a very cowardly act, and uh, 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 this is why i want uh, uh, I really want to impress upon you you know a lot of times. When I was growing up in high school, junior high, I would have the sex talk, and the sex talk would especially go like this. Essentially, go like this. First of all, don't do it. But second of all, you know, you're gonna regret it. Ooh, scary, right? Venereal disease. Um, and then, and then, and then they would say, you know, silly stuff like, oh, it's not that great, or uh, or, or or stuff like, um, you know, you're gonna uh, what is it? Uh, think about how sad you'll be. Look, that's not the reason. You know what the reason is? Because the purpose of sex is one flesh union. There's something beautiful and true and authentic and real that happens. I think our, our, to some extent, our culture has desensitized sex and says, well, sex is just 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 physical good feelings. No, there's something deeper going on, right? I think we can all agree. Even if you're not a Christian, can you not agree something deep and meaningful is going on in sex? And I'll tell you why. It's because you're experiencing one flesh union. And this is why uh, couples that break up who have been physically intimate, it is like killing yourself. It's like ripping off your arm. And I will also say that, uh, um, just to make a second point, uh, one flesh marriage destroys selfishness. You know why? Because you think of your spouse not as a second person but as yourself, right? Uh, I think When I think to all the arguments Christina and I have, and we have a lot, uh, a lot of it in my mind is essentially a fight over what is fair? This is not fair. I don't know, Harry, if you have these kind of arguments with Lauren about childcare. This is not fair, right? You need to do this. You should wake up early and, you know. Um, but if you think about it, if you're one body, if you're one flesh, what does it matter if the right hand does a little bit more work than the left hand? Look, I'm not saying, by the way, that marriage shouldn't be fair. Marriage should be fair. But you don't think like that. You don't think what's mine. You don't have this kind of calculus. All you think is, this is one body. How can I serve the other? How can I think about the other? And when you have that mentality, when both sides are doing that, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing where you don't keep track. You don't keep records. You don't count. Okay, how many dishes have you washed? Um, So that's my thoughts. There's so much more. I could talk about gender roles. I could talk about companionship. Lots of fun stories. I have more stories, but uh, next we're going to talk about the brokenness of marriage. Uh, Any comments, or thoughts, or questions? (laughs) Alright, let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is a hard teaching you give us um, that marriage is indeed a mystery. Uh, Marriage is so beyond us, and it is so profound. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would really impress on our hearts to have this really deep, serious, uh, theological perspective on marriage. And I really pray that uh, uh, the brothers and sisters in in this room would enjoy the blessings of marriage. Um, But even if they do not, remind us again that we are not incomplete if we're not married, but that we have our completion in Christ, in the Gospel. And help us to remember that it's ultimately a pointer to the gospel. And so we have the gospel. We have uh, Christ dying for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yes. <laughs> okay. the uh, I don't know. You mm-hmm. made it. Was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well it was I don't know. You
1: know what I a water on? Mean? Yeah, I know what you're right are you about.
0: It's it's uh, uh, water bowl. <laughs>